0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. My name is Jordan Prince, and I'm going to be your host this week. I'm writing solo today because uh, Mo had some technical difficulties and a very busy schedule. He is all over the place right now because he's working in sports and there's some tournaments going on, and I'm not going to pretend that I understand anything about it because I'm not a very sporty guy, but he's very busy. So this week I'm riding solo. I just wanted to say here at the top of the show that if you enjoy listening to this program, if you've listened to us before and you you enjoy it, first off, thank you. Second of all, if you could, I know that people listen to this on all kinds of different platforms on um, Spotify and uh, Podchaser and Podigy and and everything and such. But if you could, please go to Apple Podcasts just to give us a rating or a review or a comment because you would be so surprised how much that helps new listeners find us. I mean, everything these days is about algorithms. It's all about how many likes this gets, how many eyeballs get on that page, so f- so forth and blah, blah, blah. But it really helps a lot. And um, it would really uh, mean a lot to us if you could help us out in that way, because it just, I mean, when people go to the search bar and they're looking for something about Uh, comedy or immigration or um, creativity, you know, a a few simple likes and shares can really bump our show up on that list for new listeners to, you know, potentially find us and become an artsy fartsy immigrant themselves. Um, If you would like to financially support the show, because Mo and myself are always trying to uh, make the show better and more personable for our listeners, you know, we're so grateful that you guys have been with us since the beginning, a lot of you. And, you know, we're always trying to upgrade, you know, we, we we're looking into, uh, live streaming, um, clubhouse, like live chatting. Um, you know, if you go to patreon.com slash Jordan Prince, then, you know, with your donation, you would get access to early live streams. Um, we're going to try and get into video podcasting. So all of that money would go towards, um, trying to save up for new gear And uh, buying perhaps a platform where we can stream these podcasts and interviews uh, to our listeners who have donated. And, you know, it also goes to putting a little extra food on our plate. So um, you can also go to patreon.com slash Jordan Prince for that. And um, make sure to go to Instagram at artsyfartsyimmigrants to give us a follow um, feel free to write us a direct message on there if you'd like to tell us about someone like a cousin of yours or a friend of yours or yourself who may be a potential artsy-fartsy immigrant themselves. If you want to be on the show, you know, just write us in and tell us a bit about yourself, what your craft is, what you enjoy doing, where you're from, where you've moved to, and we will definitely get back to you. We get back to everybody that writes us, and it's always a pleasure to meet new creative people Expats, um, wherever they may be from. So, I just wanted to get that out of the way at the top of the show, and again, say thank you for listening. Today is the solo show. Last week, we had our first guest of 2021. We had Anna Pascobota. She was this. Um, she is. <laughs> she does. She doesn't just do the show and then pass away. She's still alive. She is a very talented artist uh, who mixes mediums with science and technology and multiple realities and quasi-crystals, and she's, she's really all over the map, but she's a real gem. And last Sunday, on Valentine's Day, there was actually this pretty important election in Catalonia that she had mentioned in her interview, and we just want to start the show with a short recap from Anna because we asked her what she felt about it, and she's, you know, very in touch with the political system there, and she's very active in that, as those who have listened to the show know. And so this is just um, a little uh, catch-up from Anna about what went down on Sunday and how she feels about it.
1: Hi. Hi again, guys. Good to be back here with you. Well, before talking about the new Catalan government stuff, that it's starting to take shape... I want to take this uh, opportunity to tell you that this morning the rapper Pablo Hasel was arrested and sent to prison for 2 years and 9 months for glorifying terrorism, insulting and slandering the monarchy and the state forces. Um, I still don't believe it because unfortunately this is not the first case I have seen in the last years. Well, and about the Catalan elections, there is almost a triple equality. The socialist PCC have won in in votes, tied in seats with the pro-independence parties, Esquerra Republicana and Junspalsi. And this year there has been the lowest participation in history, actually. But it was to be expected or because the elections were held during the pandemic. And well, this uh, PCC has won, but it will be very, very difficult for him to be the next president as he has no one to collaborate with in order to form a government. So the Catalan pro-independence victory has received more than the half of the votes, the fact that this time the pro-independence party with more votes is Esquerra Republicana may facilitate the negotiation with the other parties. So the pro-independence parties have lost votes, maybe because of the pandemic, but also because of the dysfunctionality of the previous pro-independence government. So I think it's... Um, A vital importance and exercise of responsibility and dialogue between these pro-independence parties because society is suffering a lot because of the crisis caused by the COVID and in addition the extreme right in Catalonia has entered the parliament for first time. I think this also the response of all those Right-wing voters frustrated by the right-wing parties who want the issue of independence to be solved and this chapter to be closed. So let's see uh, the future in Catalonia is uh, what what will happen and let's see how um, the European Union reacts about all of that because... It seems like there is quite a lot of frustration. Well, um, I hope that helps you a little, um, and have a nice week.
0: Thank you so much, Anna, for sending that in. We really appreciate that. And for those who are really interested in these types of things, specifically this election, Mo has, uh, behind the scenes, he's done some research on this and we're going to put some links where you could learn more and get more involved, um, With this election and with this situation in the EU, Uh, there's gonna be links in the show notes. So go ahead and and go through those if you would like to. All right, guys. So this is gonna be a solo week, a solo episode. And what does the mind wish to say when it's put into the position to roam alone? I was just thinking before we started, I was wondering. How long has it been since I've done a solo show? I don't even remember the last one that I did. I think it's been a few months. But I'm excited to do it. I volunteered to do it because we had some some issues making things work this week. And I'm very thankful to be able to to do it. <laughs> Maybe it's a good test for me to try and keep my brain flowing for the for the whole show. But it does remind me, again, of kind of what it's been like to do this new radio show. Um, So for those who are just joining in who don't know uh, anything about me or this show, this is not a normal program. Normally we have guests on like Anna, who we just heard from, or we have my co-host and producer Mo as well on the show, and he's from Germany, and we talk about uh, usually some major differences between Germany and America, or we, we talk to other guests and, and try and get their story and learn about their craft and their history. Um, but today's show is going to be a little bit different. I, I think it's probably easier for me to just take the opportunity to talk a bit about myself and about what's been going on with um, with my own music and with my, with my new work, but... Um, so if you're interested in music and you're interested in radio, then hopefully um, this episode will be entertaining for you. Basically, a few weeks ago, I locked a new job at this um, radio station based in a few different cities in Germany. It's called Ego FM. And for a while, I wasn't sure if I could announce it, and then, um, then we started recording them, and now it's, um, you know, this Sunday, the one on the 24th first is gonna be the third episode already so unfortunately they're not really uploaded to the media tech right now so you can't go back and listen to the ones that have already recorded um, they're only live but every Sunday now from 10 a.m until one o'clock on online radio so egos live stream on their website and also through their um, normal, radio channels um, and and the like and the such and, you know, how people listen to things. Uh, that's where you would be able to listen to the show. But it's only live right now. Hopefully after we do a few more weeks, then we could put them up online for people to listen to afterwards. But anyway, the show is called American Sunday, and I was hired by Ego FM to do a program where it's, it's their first all-English program, which is kind of cool. It's three hours... Uh, it's a three-hour-long show, only English, and that's, for me, in my opinion, that's pretty progressive for a German radio station to do. There is a station in Austria called like FM4, fm and they have a lot of English programming. And I wonder if maybe they're trying to, you know, tap into that market a little bit. In my personal opinion, I think it's because a lot of uh, younger Germans, like of this generation. Are pretty well versed in English. A lot of people um, in Germany already can speak English quite well. Uh, you know, there's always a lot of American movies, American music, um, British films, British comedies, things like that are really, um, really alive in the culture and really present already. So I think it makes sense that it's just time to have a show that that does this. And I'm really lucky and really honored that it's me in that position that can deliver the show. And I, I'm really trying my best to make it. Um, a comfortable and, you know, accessible program for anybody. What I've been doing recently is trying to make a theme for each show. And the first episode, I broke into three chapters because there's three hours. So it was kind of a story of the first show was first hour of the first show was my growing up time in in Mississippi as a young boy and a little bit about my family and my high school and, and things like that. And then the second hour was about about my college years in Mississippi, Uh, sorry, my college years in New Orleans, and how that was kind of this big awakening for me, and how exciting all of that was, and um, all these crazy changes going on. And then, of course, the third chapter was about uh, being an immigrant here in Germany and trying to reflect on the cultural differences that I noticed and trying to maybe poke fun a little bit at Germany itself and, and to, to show some levity in the fact that, you know, being an immigrant doesn't ha- necessarily have to be a very serious and and drab sort of job, but it can be more of like um, an opportunity for people from that country to see their, their own world. You know, they can look into a mirror and kind of say like, oh, you know what, we do... We do do things like that. And, you know, maybe it is kind of silly or kind of funny or, yes, he's right. This thing that we do is great. We're really proud of that, you know, etc. cetera. So um, every episode of the show, there's a cool thing that I'm really happy about right in the middle of the show. It's called Jordan's Jukebox, and it happens around 1125 every Sunday. And for the first episode, I chose three songs to represent the three chapters. So the first song I chose was, oh man, one of my most beloved songs in the whole world, a song that I can still listen to on repeat today after, I don't even know how long it's been now, maybe 12 years or something, but it's Casimir Pulaski Day by the artist Sufjan Stevens. And I just, I mean... That song is on his record, Come On, Feel the Illinois. And it's already a funny title, and it's just a beautiful record. It's so vibrant and illustrious and has all this like really, really amazing storytelling. And it's so sad and personal and warm and beautiful, just so achingly beautiful. And I remember, I mean, ever since I was, I guess I was 16, or 17, I started listening to that record and I just have never put it down. It's always in the back of my mind. It's always in my yeah, in my collection somewhere. It's always waiting for me. It's always like this old friend that comes to give me a hug when I need it most. And it, it always really knows when I need it most. And it just shows up at the right time. That album was with me and not only in high school as like a companion in, in Mississippi where I felt such like a black sheep, you know, I, just besides a few friends, I, I really didn't ever feel like I, be, like I belonged there. And that album just really showed me kind of a greater, a greater world. And then it went with me when my family moved to, um, Slidell, Louisiana, just outside New Orleans. That was where we first went to. And I remember, you know, we moved there. I took a year off before I started university and I, I used to just, you know, we we moved into this apartment complex right by the water. And it was kind of a strange mixture between like a humid southern temperament, but also semi-tropical because there was like palm trees and white gates and, you know, all this water all of a sudden and the, the air was kind of salty and it was wet. And I didn't know anyone and it was so exciting and I would just go out of the house and uh, out of the door and just take these walks around the complex every day. I would try and, you know, go to the gym there. They had a big pool, which was amazing. And they had, um, like a guest, like a communal computer room, which was kind of interesting. And I would just roam around the different levels of the apartment. It was in the shape of a, like a U, like a letter U. And I would just walk on the second floor and the first floor and bottom floor all around in the backside towards the water. I mean, I explored that place inside and out. And I would just listen to that record so much. I remember vividly listening to that record. And then it went with me to New Orleans, um, which was a big step for me to go to university there and meet all these people from all around the world, from all these different cultures that I had never thought about or spent time on. Like I met so many people from Nepal. And it just kind of, you know, just kind of cracked the eggshell a little bit, you know, it cracked the bubble. I thought, oh my God, you know, there's such a much bigger world going on here than I ever thought about. And I don't know. It just, I remember being in my car and driving over the, the Twin Span Bridge over to New Orleans and seeing the the skyscrapers just just faded there in the distance, just just out of reach, you know? and just endless, boundless miles of water on either side of me as I drove on, and just blasting these songs from Sufjan Stevens, just such beautiful orchestration, and uh, harmonies, and and cool time signatures, and cool guitar sounds, and great piano, and like I said, these, these big stories, you feel so epic, and so open, and wild, and I just, that always just went with me, and now it, here it is with me in Germany, and it, I think it just represented, like, that, that song and that record just really represent everything that I hope to achieve one day with music, and um, I think if I ever met Sufjan Stevens one day, I, I would honestly not know what to do with myself. I saw him in, uh, in concert once in New Orleans after I had moved away. We came back to visit, and it was just perfect timing because he was uh, playing, and of course I bought a ticket as soon as I possibly could, and oh man that was just such a magical experience. The only unfortunate thing was it was the same night that Tame Impala played at a different theater in New Orleans. So, all of my friends were at Tame Impala, of course, and I wanted to be there too. They just didn't have the same relationship to Sufjan that I did, and I knew that if I didn't see him, I would never forgive myself. And I think the tickets were like 90 bucks or something, but I instantly bought it, and I sat in this theater, and I just... I sat with my hands. I was on the balcony. And I just sat with my hands on the railing and just stared at him. And oh man, I was just so blown away by everything. Um, his his opening act was this really talented guy who like looped his voice. It was called Moses Sumney. Um, I think a lot of you who are into music would know who he is. He's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy, pretty good. Um, so that was a great performance. And yeah, so the second song that I chose to represent my my whole life kind of exploding in New Orleans was uh, Changes by David Bowie. And I mean, that one's pretty self-explanatory. That, that song also really worked well for me here when I was feeling pretty lonely and feeling kind of out of place and feeling that I didn't know what to do with myself in this country. When, you know, you're just riding the bus and it's like a summer day And you look at all these strangers' faces, and you kind of go into a job that you don't love, and kind of feeling stuck. And for some reason, that song changes by Bowie. You know, it just hits the nail on the head. You just, you can't, you know, you can't trace time. You know, you just gotta, it just changes. You just gotta adjust to it, and it hurts, and it sucks, but things change, and you have to really adapt to that, and that song always really tickles the back of my ear a little bit, like, ah, come on, you're going to be all right. And then the third song that I chose for that first show is Impossible Germany by Wilco. Again, also a little self-explanatory by the title. Um, But I... So I I really liked Wilco for the past few years, but I, I didn't really understand how amazing Wilco is until until I moved here, honestly. I mean, I've heard them before, and my friend Lee, who has his own podcast, um, was always listening to Wilco, and it was always really cool to talk with him about them, but I just didn't grab onto it the way that I kind of hoped I would. And then for some reason, after I moved here, um, that first couple of years or so were just pivotal for me, looking to grab onto bands, looking to grab onto things from the States and to feel connected to home. And Wilco just fell into place at the right time and then I became a humongous fan, obsessive. And in twenty eighteen I think I listened to um their album Sky Blue Sky probably a hundred times or more. And even um took the effort to learn how to play the song Impossible Germany. And then I had a band at the time in February 2019 we played this gorgeous theater in Munich. It's called the Lustspielhaus, And we, oh man, that was such a great concert. It was like my last favorite concert. And we played, yeah, we played Impossible Germany and the band was just so on point. We were so well rehearsed. We were all dressed up nice. The theater was beautiful. All my friends and and all the fans and friends and fans were all there. And it was just a really great concert. It was really, really fun to do. And it was such an honor to be the headline act for that. And we we played Impossible Germany. And if you want to see a pretty decent clip of us playing that song, because that song, if you know it, um, or if you don't know it, it has a very famous guitar solo. It's kind of one of those songs, like, I don't know. I don't know any other songs out of the late 70s and early 80s that have like a famous guitar solo like that but it does and it just works and it's beautiful and it's not this crazy wild like shredding thing if that's what you're worried about but it's just this beautiful really melodic interesting guitar solo and there's a clip of us playing that with uh, my friend Luke um, really killing the solo and it's on my um, Instagram TV the IGTV um, it's, it's um, linked in there if you want to watch it so, yeah, that was a really, really important show for me and really a fun show to dive into the to the music that I felt kind of makes me or made me at the time. And then we had the second show coming up and I was really worried about what to do for a theme. And I thought, have I have I imprisoned myself by trying to make themes for each show? Should I be doing that? Should I just keep it open? Because I know that they want me to talk about my experience as an immigrant. They want me to talk about perspective, you know, to kind of poke fun at Germany and to, to show Germans what they're like in a, in, in a way. So I, I I think maybe I, I don't know, I, I hope I didn't tr- trap myself into a corner trying to um, make a theme for every episode. But for the second episode, I did the theme of, oh, what was it? I did the theme of. Let me think. Oh, maybe I have it written down here. The second episode was. Sorry, just give me a second here. No, that's the third one. Ah, oh, crap. Okay, well, anyway. So the second episode, I had another theme, and then I chose um, two songs because. I, well, I had talked to the boss after I recorded the first one and I said, well, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of American Sunday and, you know, how can we improve on it? And he said, um, you know, always try and find a a chance to, you know, talk about Germany and your experience. I said, okay, that's, that's no problem. And then he said, let's talk about, um, or, you know, with the jukebox segment. Oh, now I remember. Now I found it. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> first times. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. First times. The, the show was about first times. So we did... Uh, let me look here. We did my first kiss, my first heartbreak, my first car accident, my first guitar, um, losing my virginity, my first arrest... My first Octoberfest, my first time in Europe at all, and I loved doing these stories. I really, really enjoyed that. I think, I think you know, it, if I have put myself into a corner with themes, I think at least the second show had the best theme so far, and I really enjoyed that. And I chose two songs. So with, we you know, with Jukebox, it's really open. I can really, I can choose any songs I want to do. And like I was trying to say before I interrupted myself, my boss told me that with Jukebox, if I have two stories for the songs, then I can do two songs. If I have three stories, you know, then I can do three songs. So it's pretty relaxed. And so, you know, that's what I really wanted to do for the first show. And for the second show, I chose two songs Um, I don't know why they hit me the way that they did. I think I just felt they were important. They don't even really connect to the theme. I mean, they do vaguely, but I'll explain that in a second. So with the first song, I chose The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll by Bob Dylan. And that song, I mean, I tried to string it together by saying that that the song was my first wow factor, you know, this like holding your... Hand to your chest and just going like, oh my god, and perhaps that was enough, you know, enough of a connection for it to work. But I don't really know why that song just came to me. I just knew I needed to to play that song. I mean, first off, it is my favorite Bob Dylan song, and it is for me an extremely important song, and it's still a very up to date song about how like white privileged people can get away with crimes so differently from African Americans. And um, you know, for those who don't know the story. Of the song, it's a true story, and Hattie Carroll was a like fifty-one-year-old uh, barmaid uh, working for a wealthy tobacco family in Maryland. And in 1963, twenty-four-year-old William Zanzinger was the son of this wealthy family, and he came home drunk, and with a cane, he he beat her in the head. And then she, I believe, she had an internal bleeding, or she had an aneurysm, or something. But basically, she had these headaches, and then she, and then she died. So he, he essentially beat her to death. And she had nine children. She was working hard her whole life, was never making any money. And then you know, instead of getting a prison sentence for life or getting sentenced to death for murder, this guy gets six months for assault. You know, and. I don't know why this topic and this story just really came to me for that particular episode. It just felt really important to me. Like, can you believe how consistent these kinds of stories still are? you think about George Floyd and you think about everything going on since black lives matter. And it's just, it's still so relevant. And maybe that's why, maybe that just came to my mind or something. But, um, so I chose that song and the story behind it was just that I was, I think I was like 16 or 17 If you haven't noticed, I always reference 16 or 17 as something pretty big happening in my life because between 16 and 18, this was just like the most pivotal, crazy event, life-changing stuff ever. You know, it was like all the music that changed my life happened then. Um, My my biggest mistakes, like my crimes and my car accidents and like near-death experiences, like everything was in those two years. So... You know, if I reference that a lot, I'm not making it up. It all really happened really close together. And I got really lucky, actually, that I made it out. And I'm really happy about that. But I remember, yeah, 16 or 17, sitting in a car. I had just left my friend's record store. It was raining. I didn't really want to go home yet, but I didn't have anything to do. And I was just sitting in this parking lot. And um, he, I think he had made a mix CD for me, my friend who owned the record, record store, Todd. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I just bought a Bob Dylan CD. But, yeah, the song came on. And, I mean, I'll just never forget that feeling, you know, like rain hitting on the car, kind of like a foggy window. I think it was cold out. And, man. Williams and Zinger killed poor Hattie Carroll with a cane that he twirled round his diamond ring finger. And, oh, at the Baltimore Hotel was a silent gathering. Oh man, that just, it just sends these shockwaves through me, you know? And the other song I chose is, I don't know, maybe I felt connected to Hattie Carroll in the moment. And I thought, you know, I haven't chosen, um, I haven't chosen any of the endless lists of African American talent yet for this show. So I thought, oh man, well, what's like, what's one of my most favorite? you know, like kind of unknown, but special and influential African-American artists. And it just, it just came to me, Elizabeth Cotton. And if you don't know her, you should really, really YouTube Elizabeth Cotton, C-O-T-T-E-N. And she has a song, like her hit songs called Freight Train. This lady is so mesmerizing how she plays First off, she, you know, she was, I believe she's from North Carolina. She was very poor, um, very interested in music, was working for a dollar a month that her mom saved up, eventually buying her a guitar. Here's the thing though. Here's what's so crazy. Elizabeth Cotton is left-handed, but she could only afford a a normal, like a standard right-handed guitar. So what does she do? She just turns the guitar upside down and plays it the the other way, but you but she can't restring them for left hand. So she learns how to play a guitar upside down, and she's incredible at it. Now, for those who who aren't familiar with how like finger picking is played on a guitar, I, I don't want to like you know mansplain myself into a rock here, but just for those who who. Are semi familiar with it. Like normally, you're playing your bass notes with your thumb, dom boom, dom boom, and you're playing your melodies with your with your fingers. But since she played the guitar upside down, she played the opposite. She played the bass melodies with her fingers and the high string, like the melody, with her thumb. Which is so crazy to me to even imagine doing that. Imagine like how your hand must look on the neck of a guitar when everything you're playing is upside down. I remember when I first heard about her and like I heard Freight Train, I went home and tried to like to play with something upside down and it sounded like nonsense. I just couldn't do it. You know, it's it's crazy. You have to have this drive and this passion and this, you know. She didn't have the luxury of being able to choose other instruments. She's like, if I want to play, this is what I got. So she just taught herself on it. So it's unbelievable. And um, yeah, Freight Train's so cool. I mean, people might poke fun at her singing a little bit, but. I think they're kind of naive to do that. I mean, of course she doesn't sing like Lady Gaga or something, but she sings with this earnest, like, true American, you know, true American black-blue vocal, you know, this this, this great folky blues, like, original sound, and it has this wisdom and this experience and this, oh, it's great. It's really great. So, go listen to uh, Elizabeth Cotton Freight Train and look up the story behind Bob Dylan's song, um, The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. That's just a masterpiece. But anyway, so, the the whole show in general was about first times and um, I was just thinking now that maybe because a lot of people who listen to this show live um, outside of Germany and perhaps they don't have a chance, you know, to listen to this show because it plays at odd hours of the night for them. So maybe I could uh, relive one or two of the stories here. Um, I mean, I've talked about getting arrested on the show before, so that's nothing new, but one funny story, the show, the the story that I started off the show with was my first kiss. And I remember I was, I almost want to say I was like 16 or 17. <laughs> I think I was, um, I want to say like 11 or 12 and I used to go to Wheeler Grove Baptist Church in Crossouth, Mississippi, and they had this, they had this like big gymnasium. So, you know, you had like the normal part of the church, you had like the pews where people sat and you had like the, the area where the the choir could sing and you had the podium for the, for the preacher. And then you would, you know, you would go down this little hallway if you needed to use the bathroom. So, you could go down to the hallway, and if you kept walking down the hallway, there was like another smaller building attached to it, and they had um, sort of these like offices and classrooms, so they could do, you know, like Wednesday night Bible studies or like youth groups. Um, They had classes for adults on Sunday mornings, you know, more... more specific, like dedicated classes, like, like marriage. I'm not sure. I I remember like my dad used to teach that used to teach one, but I don't remember. I I don't think I ever went inside, but um, anyway, they had these classrooms and stuff you can imagine. And uh, just past that, a little further down the building, then they had like a youth room. So they had, they, they upgraded eventually and built this room on top, but before they did, it was just this big open like basketball court and they had like, I don't know, these, this big bag of different balls, like football, basketball, stuff like that. You could play around and they, you know, they would have these around for the kids and for the, the young teens like us who, you know, have to be there on Wednesdays and want to play some basketball and then hang out with a youth pastor or whatever. And then next to that, they had like this big cafeteria and they would use that for, um, like receptions and, um, like Easter, you know, people would eat in there and stuff. Anyway, um, I was there, I was in this youth room above the basketball court. And I remember I was, uh, (laughs) yeah, 11 or 12, and they had just refurbished this new game room above the basketball court. And my friend Tyler was my age, and he had dated this girl. I think her name was Heather. And they broke up. And he was really heartbroken about it, but then he was kind of cool about it almost too quickly. Like I was always kind of suspicious that he was still in love with her. And then all of a sudden she was showing interest in me. And I remember talking to him about it and making sure he was cool with that. I didn't even really know what a girlfriend was or what it would be or what it would feel like. I never really thought of her as a girlfriend. I just think it was kind of fun to talk to her. And he said he was cool with it. And so, her and I, you know, we were calling. It was extremely innocent. And then, um, but she was, I don't know. She was pretty forward, I have to say. She she made a few attempts um, to kiss me or to, like, make... I wouldn't say she was making, like, a hyper-physical move towards me. I don't want to, um, like, lie and say that she was trying anything super inappropriate. But she would you know she was definitely more forward than i was I, I i was terrified of women i didn't know how to handle anything so she was really <laughs> she was really like ready to to move things along and i remember um you know she would like we would be in these these youth groups together um with the with the youth pastor teaching us something and reading bible verses And she would like put her hand on my knee or on my thigh or something. And for me, you know, as a young boy, who's never had any sort of connection to women at all at that point, um, was completely, you know, stunned, um, like just really, really freaked out by, by that. And it was exciting though. It was cool. Um, but I just wasn't really feeling that relationship. But, um, but, but the story, the first kiss, sorry, is that we were in this game room And Tyler had told me that she was waiting for me up there. So that's why I wanted to mention Tyler, because we were there together. And he told me, hey, Heather's upstairs. She wanted you to come up there. And I was like, okay, it's kind of weird that she would send you, but I'll I'll go up there. And I went up there and everything was, all the lights were off. It was dark. And they had like sheets over some of the games and stuff. So I I remember thinking it was kind of spooky. And I couldn't find the light switch or it didn't work or something. And I was like, hello, hello and all of a sudden um she said i heard this voice and it was her and she said turn around and i turned around and she came up to me and she she gave me like uh, her, she put her arms around me and then she took this chocolate sucker like this chocolate candy out of her mouth and then she asked me like do you like chocolate <laughs> and i mean i was a fat kid i was like of course i like chocolate <laughs> And then she proceeded to kiss me and she had these braces and she was really like forceful. You know, it wasn't like a sweet, like dainty, like little corner of the lip kiss. It was like a full mouth. (laughs) It was, it was like punching a watermelon and then like wiggling your fingers around inside of it. It was just like, and I really didn't like it. And the braces were so pinchy and painful. And, um, she was really forward about it. And, still the fact that I didn't like the kiss didn't matter too much because the fact that I had just been kissed was kind of exciting. And then I felt kind of nervous that we were going to get caught. So then I left and then I, this is the thing that really gets me. I went back downstairs and Tyler knew what was going on. Like he knew what she was planning to do, which is so weird. And he said something like, like, how did he go? Like, did you kiss? And then I said, yeah, yeah, we, we kissed. And then he says, did she do the chocolate thing? And I was like, ew, man. Ew. Yeah, she did. She did do that. He's like, I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was so crazy. Oh man. But I love <laughs> reliving that memory because it's so silly. It's so innocent. You know, it's, we- it's weird with Tyler, <laughs> but it's so, um, it's so innocent. You know, it's even, oh man, even, you know, later on after this, I remember I-, I was even trying to kind of date Tyler's sister, Chelsea. And that was also just like phone calls, you know, it was nothing. There was nothing. There were so many girls that I was sort of semi-dating or talking to on the phone and stuff, and it, they all fell through. They, none of them pr- progressed to anything, and they all were just so innocent. And I'm pretty sure, now, this doesn't take years of psychological analysis to guess, but I'm going to put this on the table that probably they all... Uh, dumped me at one point or another because I never made a move. (laughs) Not once. I just didn't start making moves on on any girl that I was dating until (sighs) almost college or basically college. I just didn't, you know, I just didn't have it in me or I didn't think about it. I didn't, I mean, I like... There was one girl that I dated in high school or two girls I dated in high school. They were brief, like one girl I dated for, her name was Heather too, but not the same girl. And we dated for a few months and there was progression there. Like I was making more moves to kiss her and it was like, we were really into each other. That was different. Like I really liked her. And then there was another girl like this totally trash experience that I don't even want to dive into, like this mess of a girl that just ruined uh, my year. And that was also more of like a forward thing. I was kind of like developing and I was understanding that, you know, I will have, like I should make moves. It's fun to make moves. You should just do it. But, um, if it's, you know, consensual and all that, I just, I just didn't do that before. I just always was too afraid. I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah, there's a few girls. Like there was another girl from my school that was just phone calls. Chelsea was just phone calls. Um, this one girl, Alyssa, I dated from like fifth grade until eighth grade or something, or fourth grade to eighth grade. Four years, you know? We only ever just held hands. And it, it, in this radio show, I talked about how um she ended up, she was like my first real girlfriend. Love letters, hand holding, hugs, and such. Never a kiss. Maybe, maybe on the cheek or something, you know, like nothing intense. And she was my first girlfriend and she cheated on me and she cheated on me for this guy named Cody Brock (laughs) at the time that just destroyed me. But now it makes so much sense because you know what? I never made a move. I never did anything. i just, it was just this plateau. It was like, now we're dating and that's it. Settle in, put your seatbelt on, you know, get a book. It's going to be like this for a while. And I just, it just rolled like that. It just, just continued like that. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I never made a move, but I do know why she left me because Cody Brock was making moves. Cody Brock was a player. Cody Brock held nothing back. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Cody Brock put it on the table. Cody Brock knew how to lock it down. Cody Brock knew what to do with it, and I didn't. I did not know what to do with it, and I did not know what it was. So I just didn't mess around. I just didn't, didn't, didn't do anything like that. So maybe there was some, um, you know, some female opportunities that I probably missed out on. Some, some masculine growth that I could have had at a much earlier age. But you know, it is what it is. I was shy. I was fat. I didn't know what to do. I always just thought that I was misunderstanding everybody. I mean, even until college, there were some women, um, even after I was making moves and more comfortable with myself, I just kept thinking I was misunderstanding somebody. I, I just kept thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't get, oh, maybe she's not, maybe she doesn't mean it that way. You know, and that's always my, that was always my downfall with everything. Um, But yeah, I remember also I talked about my first guitar on that show and that was also, like, that was so such a sweet, simple thing, you know? I like when a story, like a memory, more specifically, has just a, a clear-cut thing. It's just you, for example, <laughs> I should just tell the story, but um, I like that this memory is just so clear-cut. You know, it's just my dad wanted to play guitar. My dad wanted to pick up a hobby. You know, he knew that I really loved music. He really loves music. I don't know if it was a way for him to try and connect with me because they knew that I was really interested in music, but he just wanted to pick up a hobby and play some guitar. So my mom got him, you know, she went to the shop, uh, got him, you know, like a a cheap, like beginner's guitar. Uh, It came with a little bag and a little chord book. And I I can imagine he spent about two weeks with it. And then it just ended up in this closet and um, he forgot about it. And then no one talked about it anymore. And then there was maybe like a year later, he, um, or no, about a year later, I wanted a guitar, but I didn't know how to play, but I wanted an electric guitar. I wanted to be like Blink-182 or Green Day or something. And they did, they, they bought me, you know, a cool little cheap, like electric guitar with a little mini amp. And I loved it. I worshipped it. I was so into it for a month. I've really obsessed with it. And then I realized I didn't know how to play and it just, nothing sounded good. And then I just put it down and then lo and behold, some months pass and then something just switches. Some little light switch in my brain just just goes like, boom, I'm interested. I'm very interested. And I went back to my electric guitar, unplugged. And just sat on my futon in my bedroom and strummed away at this little thing. And my dad had this chord book with his guitar. So, I took it out and taught myself how to play guitar. And, you know, the funny thing is, I've learned this from a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years of playing music with different people. But because I taught myself, a lot of my hand positions are kind of funky and weird. But I like that. I kind of like that that's just how my it's just comfortable. It's just how it looks and you know maybe that's like my my own signature <laughs> style or something. That that's that's my Elizabeth Cotton. That's my Elizabeth Cotton, you know? She plays upside down and I play like funky positions, you know? So that's maybe that's a little thing between me and her. You guys uh wouldn't understand. <laughs> no, but um I yeah, I just I wanted to take you guys down this road a little bit. It just made sense to me a little easier to, to talk about um, this ego show and I'm happy to be doing it. And and I know that a lot of people who listen to this show don't have the chance to listen to that show. So I wanted to just let you know, you know, how it's going and what the topics have been about. And hopefully soon in a few weeks when things are more uh, smooth, when the show is more kind of uh, chiseled down into what it really should be, like a tight show, they're going to start putting it in this, uh, media tech. So people like my mom can listen to it, which I'm excited about. Um, and I did have a few final things that I wanted to talk about today. Um, so last Friday, let's see what day was that? The 12th on Friday, the 12th, I, I joined this, um, there's a new app called clubhouse. And right now it's only for iOS users, so only for iPhones. And you have to be invited to do it. Uh, it's a pretty interesting marketing strategy. Uh, hopefully, they open it up eventually because it's slightly annoying. But basically, you get invited to use the app, and then when you have it, you can. The way it works is you can start what they call a room. You can start a room. Let's say I want to start a room with Mo. And we did this before. We did a live episode a couple of weeks ago. But you you start a room, and you can say that it's open to absolutely anybody, or you can say uh, that private. I want to have it with just me and Mo and uh, Anna, for example. And it's cool because in the way that it's in in the in the way that a Zoom call works, you know, you just have this open forum. So. We had this uh, conversation that my friend Tim wanted to start on on Friday with all these different musicians. We contacted a lot of musicians and said, "Hey, let's talk on Friday about um, you know the music business in this digital age. You know, can musicians make a living digitally? How can they better their brand? How can they promote themselves? What you know, what are some tactics that are changing? How is the world changing? How should they adapt? Things like that." So it was his it was his uh, brainchild to have this clubhouse thing with all these musicians and it's a cool app. So we just started um, the the two of us and then one friend joined and then another friend joined. You can give people permission to talk or not. They can just listen. And eventually at some point we had like 20, 20 people or something, maybe a little less, but you know, just for an unannounced room. With about 20 people. It was kind of cool. And then we had musicians we had never heard of, people that we have never met joining in saying, Hey, that's interesting. Can I ask a question? I just found you online. Can we talk about that? And it was really rewarding and really fun. And we went for an hour and a half. It was really great. And the reason I bring that up is because I was in that clubhouse. And, you know, like I said, there were strangers popping in and out. And it turns out one of those strangers that popped into the clubhouse group was a woman named Lisa from Sony Music Germany. Now, when a musician gets an email from anything to do with Sony or, you know, any when any of like the major <laughs> companies in the music business, you never really know what to expect or what's going to happen or what it means, right? So, Lisa writes me Today, she says, "Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm working as an international product manager for Sony Music Germany. And you're probably wondering how I found you and why I'm writing you. Now, I'm not sure if, if on this show I can say specifically what she's asking me to do, but what I can say." is that she's she's working on an album campaign for a pretty big band. And when I say a pretty big band, I mean like one of those bands that absolutely everybody in the world knows. And she's trying to set up a pre-listening event for this band's new album in partnership with Rolling Stone, which is great. I love Rolling Stone. And she says, for that, I'm searching for a moderator who can guide through the album listening. And she says, now that I've been to your Clubhouse talk last Friday, I thought you could be a great fit to this album listening campaign. She said, if you're interested, shall we jump on a quick call so I can elaborate a bit more? Oh man, you! It, I just jumped out of my seat with this. I mean, that's such a cool chance. And the thing that makes it most interesting to me is that it was through this app. I mean, this was like the first time I had ever used this app. I just downloaded it like a couple of weeks ago, forgot about it. And then started it up again. And then, you know, Tim says, hey, let's talk. And I said, yeah, cool. And she writes me. And I thought, that's so nice. That's so cool. That's, for me, that's extremely unexpected. And I told her, like, thanks for reaching out. As a musician, you never know what an email from Sony Music might mean. So, this is a cool surprise. (laughs) And I said, thanks for joining in on the clubhouse last Friday. That was definitely a fun and interesting chat with all those artists. And I'm flattered that you'd reach out to me based on that alone. The project sounds cool. You know it's just like how completely crazy is the world these days where you know like um a uh, uh, a product manager from Sony Music discovers I mean she's she wants to use me for my for my voice which is great I'm very thankful that this training with the podcast and with the and with the radio station has come in handy very thankful that I can <laughs> I can do something um with my voice that, that you know, can be a part of something that they want to do. That's really cool. Um, but it's so strange that she even writes me at all, and it's from this app, you know? I don't know. I guess my point is just like, you know, there's so many opportunities and so many chances for things to happen these days, and you just have to be open to them. I mean, that's why I do things on TikTok now. That's why I try and change things up on Instagram. I think Facebook's getting a bit old, but you know, there's things like Clubhouse and there's Twitch and there's Discord and there's just so many new things. And I, it's like Bob Dylan says, you know, there's a new road coming. And if you can't lend a hand, then get out of the way. You know, that's how I, that's how I feel about it. But I'll I'll keep you guys updated how that goes and what the project is eventually. And hopefully after I talk to her this afternoon, um, I can know more and we can see, um, you know, what's possible. I think it sounds like a great idea. Um, And then just final updates here at the end. Um, So the single Smilin', "Smiling Back at Me is the next single from my new album, and that's going to come out on March 12th. So keep your eyes open for that. And with the drop of Smilin', we're going to announce the official album release date for my new album, Simple Swimmer. It will come out this year, and we're going to announce the date on March 12th and we're going to set up a pre-order link where you can go ahead and pre-order the album. It's going to have some nice benefits with it, like some merchandise and um, um, vinyls and previous uh, signed copies, personal letters, links to the demos, things like that. So some cool benefits you can add to it uh, if you want to buy the new record in physical form. And I think... Yeah, I think that's it. Otherwise, if you have a Nintendo Switch, you should really play Little Nightmares and Little Nightmares 2. These are the best games I've ever played. I love them. I love them so much. They're so great. If you like dark games with a lot of mystery and a lot of suspense, and it's like puzzle solving meets um, high intensity fear, like it's really scary stuff sometimes, it's just a great game. It's a great story and a cool world. So I just want to tag that in here at the end. But all right, guys, I believe that's all I've got for you today. I hope that I didn't drag you around too much. I hope you did enjoy the stories, and I hope that you get a chance to listen to my show every Sunday from 10 to 1 on Ego FM called American Sunday. The next one coming out uh, on this Sunday, the 21st, is um, the theme is hellos and goodbyes. And that just really, it's a very open concept. So keep your mind open and it's going to have great music. I'm really, 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 really excited. I chose three amazing artists in honor of black history month. And, um, yeah, you don't want to miss that. So tune in ego FM on Sundays. And I want to say, we miss you Mo. We hope to have you back next week. And thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Again, like I said at the top of the show, if you enjoy this show, on you know, despite whatever platform that you listen to us on, please go to um, Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or a review or a comment because it really, it just really, really helps new listeners find us. And I think you know, if you like the show, it's the least you could do. Come on, it's really easy. It's really simple. Um, Just give us a five star rating or you know. Just not a one star, maybe. You could even just comment and say, I'm doing this because you asked me to. And anything like that really, really helps people find us. If you want to financially support the show and help us get our video podcast set up, um, our live stream set up, or even just put more food on our plate, you can go to patreon.com slash Jordan Prince. And there you'll also find ways that you could support me as an artist um, with my own, you know, I offer um, on Fiverr as well. I'm offering uh, voiceover, narration, translation work, uh, lyric writing, songwriting. If you want to collaborate together or work together on something, hit me up on Fiverr or Patreon or just write us on Instagram. Personally, I'm at Jordan Prince, and this show is at Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. You're beautiful. You're talented. You're wonderful. I hope you have an amazing week, and it means so much to me that you're here with us Every Thursday, thank you so much and goodbye. Look, i baby. the saints are coming through. The it's all over
1: now, baby blue. Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Bartscheider, produziert für M94.5.